Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Cavs fans, tonight represented an excellent opportunity for the Cavs to get back to bases and into the win column against a Houston Rockets team that features some young, talented pieces, but still isn't quite ready to take that next step out of the rebuilding phase like the Cavs did. And they did by the score of 113-95. to That's right, the Cavs executed well on both ends of the floor, got nearly everybody involved, and looked to be having fun out there from the jump. That was evident. I mean, they just beat the shit out of Houston, dude. They led 74-48 at the half. That's at the half. Now, mind you, I did not go into this game thinking that this would be just a shellacking. Based upon what we'd seen from the Cavs recently, they just kind of seem to be starting slower and slower. That's been one of the biggest complaints from the fan base. But they had their foot on the pedal from go at this point they absolutely shut it down on the defensive side of the ball and I would be lying if I told you I don't get a little more excited than usual when we play the Rockets because of how much shit Houston fans have tossed regarding the Jalen Green Evan Mobley discourse and most recently the Shangun Mobley comparisons I don't get it I mean on the offensive side of the ball I see some of the things that they're alluding to in regards to the offensive skill set that Shingun has in comparison to Evan Mobley but I just feel even as raw at times as Evan Mobley can look his ability on both ends of the floor trumps anything that Shingun can provide right now so in conclusion in regards to that Evan Mobley is obviously at least in my opinion the more complete player the more all-around player so please stop it So it honestly feels good to see the Cavs beat the brakes off this Houston team and remind them what they passed up in Mobley. Speaking of Mobley, he was dominant again throughout a good portion of the game tonight, finishing with 20 points, 10 rebounds, and even dished out three assists. One of the best things that we've seen from him in these games that Donovan Mitchell has missed has been his willingness to take on more of an offensive load. Mobley actually led the Cavs in shot attempts tonight with 17 total attempts. That's one ahead of Darius Garland, who also had himself a pretty good game. That's something that remains to be seen if it's going to be a constantly occurring thing. Just because when you don't have Donovan Mitchell, obviously there are going to be some shot attempts that have to be, uh, you know, levied around, passed around. And for Evan Mobley to kind of, you know, take charge here and say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to ball out in Mitchell's absence. I'm going to go ahead and take on more of an offensive load. That speaks volumes about the mentality that he has, because quite honestly, a lot of the a lot of the fans that I've heard chirping up about this are that, you know, there is a lack of aggression from Mobley and trying to get his own shot. He's just not actively looking to score when he should be, when he has the size advantage out there. And I get some of those things, but at the same time, you just kind of have to look at the dynamic of this current Cavs roster, look at the makeup of it, the pecking order when you do have Mitchell in the lineup, and you understand that his his development is probably going to slow just a little bit. It's not like last season when there was not necessarily a clear number two option. Uh, you know, Mobley fluctuated. You know, there there was just a bunch of guys who fluctuated between that last season. And it, it was probably Mobley who was that second guy on offense. Uh, and the, the Cavs definitely did not have a solidified second option behind Darius Garland. Now with Mitchell in town and Darius Garland kind of taking a back seat uh, to him, you know, playing more of the role of the Robin, that third option is right now Evan Mobley. 
And a lot of people think that that needs to change. A lot of people think that maybe Darius Garland might want to take it even further of a step back to allow the further offensive progression of Mobley. But it doesn't necessarily have to play out like that right now. Got to kind of let these things play out organically. Now, tonight, the aggressiveness was there. The scoring mentality was there. He just attacked more than we've seen him do in the past, Uh, not including the game against Milwaukee in which he completely dominated a Giannis-less Bucks team. Uh, He was posting up. He unleashed a bevy of jumpers. He was rolling to the rim. He was creating from the elbow. Just a ton of different ways that he was uh, impacting the game on the offensive side. And you just absolutely have to love him. You you just have to love seeing him doing that just because it's not something that we've been accustomed to at least this season. Oh, and don't forget the high level of defense he's providing as well. He had a very nice block on Chingon. That's that's something, again, like I said, in comparison to those two. Evan Mobley is a more complete player, and he showcased that from the jump. Elsewhere, Darius Gollin was slinging it around, getting everybody involved, finishing with 26 points, four rebounds, and nine assists. People are not talking enough about the recent play of Darius Garland, in my opinion, as well. Over his last 10 games, Darius Garland is averaging 23.2 points, 8.6 assists, and he's even pulling down 3.6 rebounds. Mind you, he's doing all this while shooting 45% from the field and a blistering 42.2% from three-point range. And let's not miss words here. I know I I constantly reference the continued development of Isaac Okoro from range. Uh, and while people's primary response to that is the volume, this is not the same case, obviously, with Darius Garland. Darius Garland is shooting the three ball with a ton of volume, 6.4 attempts uh, on a night-to-night basis, and he's knocking down 2.7 of those. So over his last 10 games, Darius Garland is doing a lot. Uh, and that continues to be the case, and we're not talking about enough. And in total on the night, four of the Cavs' starting five finished in double figures with Jared Allen contributing a 14.10 rebound double-double and Karis LeVert chipping in 12 on the night. And that's another player who is not getting enough love here, in my opinion, just because people are constantly including this man in trade rumors. And look, I get it. Karis Avert might not be the player that the Cavs ultimately see being uh, in Cleveland for the foreseeable future. But over his last 10 games, he's actually played quite well. 10.8 point, uh, 12.8 points, 2.9 rebounds, four assists. And this is the best part right here because we know what the book was. At, at least at the start of this season for LeVert, and that was his poor shooting percentages. And while it might actually seem like LeVert is just taking the worst shots, a lot of those turnaround mid-range pull-up jumpers uh, when he just is trying to bail himself out, I get frustrated at those. But the crazy part is LeVert has actually averaged 46.1% from the field, and he's shooting 41.9% from three-point range over his last 10 games, uh, playing little over a little under 30 minutes a game. So LeVert is actually playing a lot better than you would think the stats would show, uh, considering just the eye test. So I think that people need to start really putting some respect on his name. And to be quite honest with you, I think you guys kind of know how I feel about LeVert right now 
I've always kind of said this, uh, you know, dating back to last season, you gotta give the guy a chance before you cast the ultimate judgment on him. I know that his play can be up and down at times, a lot of inconsistency that has been shown. But when you're specifically referring to Levert and including him in deals by the deadline, if it's not bringing in somebody that's going to be here for the long term, I just don't think it. it, it I don't think it's worth it. I, I don't think it's worth it to include Levert in any type of deal if it's just to kind of you know keep your cap space open. And and that's a whole another dynamic to this whole situation with Levert. And I definitely understand that the Cavs might want to continue to have that financial flexibility but when you're talking about bringing in the likes of a you know tim hardaway jr uh you know somebody like that bojan Bogdanovic, to me it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to to ship lavert out considering what he is actually providing you uh it, it just it's a lateral move and i think if you're only if your only aim here is to kind of maintain cap flexibility and because we know Levert's going to get paid in some form or fashion by the Cavs or somebody else. I understand that. I just don't think it's necessarily, it's not necessarily needed at this point in time, but all in all, the starting unit was undoubtedly awesome. But if I'm being completely 100% honest with you guys, I expected them to play this well against this lowly Rockets team. Uh, that was the expectation heading into this. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout by any means this degree, but I did think the starting unit would be, would have a pretty good game, even without Donovan Mitchell. Uh, if I'm being completely honest here, the bench was what impressed me the most, starting with none other than Dean Wade, who ended the night with 15 points. Ladies and gentlemen, the talks of trading for a wing might die down just a little bit if Dean Wade keeps playing like this. Wade was everywhere, and I mean everywhere, when he saw the floor. First, he started on the defensive end of the floor where he rejected a couple of shots, even got a steal on the night. Then it spread to his ability to space the floor, where Wade knocked down four triples and looked so damn natural doing it as we've become... A- accustomed to seeing him look and you know let's keep in mind this is just wade's third game back that cannot be discounted we you know we we're talking about including these guys back in the lineup when you're when you're talking about dean wade and ricky rubio and we're constantly on jb bickerstaff about his lineups and his rotations i think people need to have patience here because for large portions of the season in, in Rubio's case, for all of the season prior to his return just a few games ago, he didn't have the full deck here. JB did not have the full deck of cards. And at that wing position specifically, it's kind of been a fluctuating thing. As of late, Isaac Okoro has been the main man in the starting lineup, averaging almost 30 minutes a game, up in his three-point percentages, looking more confident himself. I am very proud of Isaac Gokor on the development that you've showcased. I've completely just taken where he was drafted out of the equation and just accepted him for who he is. I know a lot of people still haven't. That 2020 draft was a crapshoot to begin with. So for any of those out there, they're still kind of harping on that. Just let the shit go. He was drafted where he was in a very odd draft, a very odd time in history with COVID. 
being a primary culprit in the lack of evaluation for that draft. So just accept the fact that it was always going to be a bit of a crapshoot. And Okoro fit the mold of what the Cavs thought they needed at the time, which they did. It was perimeter defense because you got to remember Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, very small guards at 6'1". You're not going to go into a draft like that and say to yourself, hmm, we don't need perimeter defense. And so they opted to take Isaac. And so at this point right now, just just kind of let it go. He was drafted where he was. But I say all that to say, even with the continued growth and development of Okoro, it's still not set in stone who that actual fifth starter is going to be for the foreseeable future. This play from Okoro is nice. He just has to continue and he has to continue to elevate what he provides on the offensive end. And so getting Wade back kind of changes things. We know Lamar Stevens brings to the table. We've seen the growth of Okoro, but Dean Wade is kind of the best of both worlds here because Dean Wade is a natural floor spacer. He is somebody who can go out there and you can feel damn comfortable with taking those three-point shots, especially if they're not wide open as the case most of the time with Isaac Okoro or Lamar Stevens because teams are not inherently respecting those players' ability to space the floor. So they are giving them those wide open looks. Dean Wade, on the other hand, teams are starting to realize that this man can actually shoot the three ball very well. Now on this season, he's completing a blistering 42.9% from beyond the arc. His career averages, because Dean Wade's only suited up in 20 games, so his sample size is going to be a little bit in flux here. But for his career, pay attention to that, 37.4% from three-point range. That is something to take into account. That is miles, and I mean miles ahead of where Isaac Okoro and Lamar Stevens' career averages at, with Okoro sitting at 32.1% from range and Lamar Stevens sitting at 26.9%. I'm not laughing at you, Lamar. I'm just saying in comparison to Dean, we kind of know what it is. <laughs> um, Dean Wade can knock down that three ball. And it was very, very awesome to see him out there slinging it around because in the previous two games, he just didn't get a lot of time. He didn't get enough opportunity to go out there and show you what he's all about once more. And just in case some cast fans may have forgotten. And now that there have been a lot of takes that have been flying around making the case for benching Kevin Love in favor of Wade or ciphering off, uh, siphoning off some of Love's minutes and handing them to Wade. And based off of tonight's play, combined with the fact that K-Love is totally struggling right now, you can understand. You can understand what the people who have been clamoring for Wade are actually clamoring for, and that is the ability to consistently space the floor. Now, in regards to Love, uh, he's averaging just 5.3 points and 5.3 rebounds on what feels like the absolute worst shooting percentages possible right now, 30.5% from the field overall and an even more troubling 24.2% from three-point range. Now, obviously, we need to take tonight's performance from Wade with a grain of salt, but let's not kid ourselves here. He essentially replaced Love in the lineup tonight and was highly, and I mean highly, effective on both ends of the floor. That type of play is only get is only going to make these takes get louder. Let's be honest here. 
And we know damn well that if we aren't getting anything offensively from Kevin Love, he's near useless out there. And I do not say that lightly. I respect the hell out of Kevin Love. I, you know, one of the biggest things that I feel like he has not got enough credit for is, and we we know before I say that, let me just get this out of the way. Kevin Love is, has not always been a saint here in Cleveland in regards to his behavior. We've seen that. We've talked about we talked about it, uh, you know, ad nauseum. We understand the mental health component of it all from Kevin Love. Completely understandable things. But one of the things that we do have to give Kevin Love respect for is continuing to want to be here in Cleveland. Um, there are obviously were points at which he probably wanted to go with Kazer at the start of the rebuild, feeling like you didn't want to spend the what feels like the last few good seasons of your career for a rebuilding team. Uh, but somewhere in there, Kevin Love finally accepted his role and that occurred last season uh, off the bench and he played very well this season. He's not necessarily doing that. You know, we've pointed to the injuries, to his hand, to his back as some of the leading factors, but all in all, love is just completely struggling right now. He's literally, if, you know, if I'm being honest here, I want to say that Kevin Love is averaging his literal worst percent from the field since his fifth or sixth season in the league just absolutely abysmal shooting performance from love and so with with that being the case you can understand why people are on the bench kevin love heavy right now you can understand that but outside of that this was a collective effort tonight jetty osmond added 10 points Ricky Rubio dished out seven assists uh, with a lot of them going to Dean Wade. Uh, Hell, even Lamar Stevens knocked down a triple tonight. And remember how we talked about the defense, the Cavs played the uh, the single biggest indicator of that might be Jalen Green's stat light on the night. Ladies and gentlemen, Green was held to just six points on two of nine from the field in 28 minutes. That's big time. He was absolutely clamped by Isaac Okoro and company. Ice had Green in the basketball equivalent of hell out there. Just come, just put the shackles on the man. Uh, just turn the water off. And we're talking about a guy who is averaging 22 points per game on the season and over 23.3 over his last 10. He's been he's been scoring. And with a high at a high degree over his last 10 games. But last night he got clamped. No other way to put it. My man got clamped. And I never, with that being the case, I never want to hear the Green and Shingoon talks in reference to Evan Mobley again after this one. Rockets fans, please stop. Just just stop. You're not gonna win this one. Uh outside of that, my draft day infatuation for those of you who are around. Uh, when I was doing a lot of my draft day evaluations uh, for this this past draft, Tari Easton was a bright spot for Houston. Uh, he had a double-double off the bench with 18 and 11. Typically, I would not highlight a bench player from the other teams, uh, from the other team's bench, but I just had to point that out because I absolutely love Tari Easton's game uh, coming out of the draft, and I was hoping – with him being literally right there when the Cavs were on the clock that they would have taken Tari, but obviously that did not happen. And for good reason, because he would likely be in Salt Lake city right now <laughs> uh, alongside Larry Markin, uh, Markin and company. So it didn't truly matter. 
The truth, though, is that this young Houston team could be really good in a few seasons, but they obviously have some things to figure out, much like the Cavs, but on a much larger scale. Uh, they probably need a real point guard, if we're being honest here. And uh, honestly, Houston might have more success using Shingun as their offensive hub, similar to how Denver uses Jokic. And I know that might be sacrilege to say that because we don't have a long running history like we do with Jokic being as good of a facilitator as he is. But Shingun shows shows some of the same skill set there. I mean, he clearly has the vision. Uh, there were a few passes that he made tonight that were really impressive. The guy is averaging 3.6 assists as a center. Let's not discount that. He's doing that as a center. Uh, that's something that I think will continue to go up if the if the Rockets want to change how they operate, how they change, how they flow, because they clearly do not have a, a set established point guard right now. Um, but that is going to be completely up to them and how they move forward. They are still, in my opinion, years away from getting out of that rebuild. They still have questions to answer, and so do the Cavs, but obviously the Cavs are, they have figured some things out. They have gotten that development out of multiple players, and they have made a big-time swing and trade for Donovan Mitchell to kind of elevate and expedite the process here. So I'm very excited to see what the future holds for both teams. But with that being said, in conclusion, the Cavs are back. The Rockets still suck. Good night. Go Cavs.